We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we are talking about the Blake 7 episode, Orbit. And I will say that this is the last episode written by Robert Holmes. Avon and the gang are called to the planet Maladar by Agrorian, a famous genius who dropped out of sight ten years ago after a bit of unpleasantness. Avon is suspicious that it might be a trap, as is the entire crew. Igrorian has an offer to make to them. He has developed a weapon, the Tachyon Funnel, a device so powerful that it can destroy anything, anywhere, instantaneously, at any distance. And he wants to give it to Avon so that they'll make the Federation pay for all the hiding and stuff he's done on this planet. All he wants in exchange is Orak. Well, of course, that deal doesn't make much sense, and Avon is rather suspicious, since Agorian could do whatever he wanted with a weapon that could do what he said it did. But but all he wants is Orak. It's, it's just a little thing. I don't want to have to be bothered with it. Highly suspicious. They have to go ahead with a plan, because... Agrorian will kill them if they don't. Unbeknownst to Avon, but suspected by Avon and Tarrant, Servalan has been behind Agrorian and his desire to get Orak. The swap is made, and Avon thinks he's escaped with the weapon and Orak because he's pulled the switcheroo. But Agrorian has a plan that will still fetch him the tunnel and Orak, and kill the crew of the Scorpio. He has placed a bit of neutron star material aboard the shuttle, and they are unable to make orbit. With the weight being completely out of balance, Avon needs to know what they can throw off the ship that will save him the weight he needs. Orak is particularly helpful. Villa weighs just enough, and the hunt is on. But before he can kill Villa and throw him off the ship, he finds the neutron star material, pushes it upward, and everyone is saved and happy, except Agrorian, who is killed by his... Let's call him an assistant after he fails Servalan. Villa is also not the happiest person on the ship. The end. I, I, I'm, I'm going to... Before I ask you what you thought of the episode... I'm just going to say that one of the things that has been pointed out repeatedly over the years about Robert Holmes and his stories is that Robert Holmes loves to write a double act. He loves to get two characters that can play off each other and uh, and they produce some of the great character pairs we see in Doctor Who stories and Blake Seven stories and and the whatnot. And he has created a pair here unlike any other he's ever done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I'm sure we're going to want to talk about that. But uh, for starters, uh, what what did you think of this episode? 
well, I wish we could have said we've gone three for three on the last several, but mm, sorry, can't say that. Hmm. Okay. Didn't like I mean, it. Wasn't, it wasn't awful. It was not awful, but it was not really all that stellar because of the two characters. <laughs> Agrorian and Pinder. I didn't mention Pinder in the recap, but Pinder is Agrorian's assistant. And more like he, a pet. Well, oh, I'm not sure what he is. I don't. I don't want to know what he was. That is I don't the know. Most there's disturbing. something very. There's something very weird about that. Um, it's man. There's some really weird implications there. There are, and and I don't just mean, you know, two men stranded. For ten years, oh, no, in no, face. No. not oh, just that. No, there's something no. else. I mean, it's no, there's, there's something really, yeah. There's abusive, something psychologically really wrong going on between these two. Um, yeah, and and Agrorian really seems to be, uh, I guess, maybe starved for human company. I mean, he's he's certainly trying to come on to Servalan. He, oh yeah, he's. Certainly trying to come on to Villa uh, in the episode. I mean, yeah. for crazy, he's petting his arm and, and that. Oh, they're, they're, he's creepy. I mean, this, this he's is the, extremely creepy. This is the most disturbing character I've ever seen. Robert Holmes, right? And, you know, he he's written some he's written some weird ones. But but these two take the cake. Um, and, of course, Pinder kills him in a i'm gonna call it a fit of jealous rage well kind of jealous spurned Uh, there's this yeah it's it's really bizarre but um you know fundamentally the episode is about that last few minutes i mean it's it's given away in the title, Orbit. Orbit has nothing to do with this story except for the last few minutes when Negrorian's trap has been sprung. He's weighted the shovel, shuttle down. It doesn't have enough energy to make escape velocity. And the intent there is to crash it and then recover the uh, Tachyon funnel and Orac uh, from the wreckage uh, and the jellified remains of Avon and Villa. Which reminds me, well, of course, we've always kind of wondered at what point Avon would turn and kill one of his comrades. We don't wonder anymore. Nope. (laughs) I think there is absolutely no doubt that Avon would have shot Villa and threw him out the airlock. And, okay, um, since we're on that, uh, oh, gee, I, I don't even want to approach that part of the story yet or not. <laughs> um, I, I'm not. I'm going to save that for later. Okay. But going back to just some of the characterizations that we're seeing, I mean, we you brought up that this was a, a Robert Holmes story. And the last time we saw some really over-the-top borderline flamboyantly weird characters was in the episode gambit oddly enough those were disturbing oh very very disturbing oddly enough another robert holmes story 
Yes, and he he did another one in between then and there, which was um uh that would have been traitor. Traitor. That one was kind of atypical. Yeah. But in Gambit, of course, we had um I can't think of their names right off the top of my Not head. Not off the, the top of my and right. his sidekick. Right. And that was a little creepy too. Yeah, the um, the sidekick I believe was Toys. Yeah, Toys, something like and was that. Was it was it was it Krantor? Krantor. Or, no, Doc Kelly. No, 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 no Doc Kelly. No, Doc Kelly. It was Krantor. The, yeah, it was Krantor and Toys. It was Krantor and, and, and Toys. <clears throat> yes, that's true. So maybe we've got something going here. So in maybe Holmes is trying to tell us something. Maybe he is trying to tell us something because in Doctor Who, uh, we don't get any of that. But then Doctor Who is not the drama department. Doctor Who was Correct. the children's television department. Right. So Holmes was not in really any position to... So he's putting together characters like... Oh, he's he's um, doing something here. <clears throat> you know, we don't see anything in the uh, uh, Talons of Wen Chiang. With, no. Uh, Henry Gordon, Jago, and uh, Jago and Lightfoot. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the... Uh, the Sabalon Glitz and Dibber. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Can't think of their names, but in Carnival of Monsters, the show people. Oh, yep. yes, those two. Those two. Yeah. Um, I forgot that was his. That's one of his, too. Oh, not, one of, not one of his better ones. Deadly Assassin didn't really have anything like that. Well, there was uh, the Castellan and Ingen. A little, but they... A they little were, bit quite the, the double act yeah i mean he's he's uh there wasn't and anything the like master it. and chancellor goth so uh if there he's was anything Andrew going Sonny. on it was yeah it, it, oh ugh, ugh. you had to remind me of that so he was doing the uh, administrator and the administrator's assistant there gotcha yeah um but yeah nothing like that but yeah the, these are these characters in blake seven have a a subtext to them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's a bit... I I, I don't want to... <sighs> like, you know, there, there is... I, what I'm concerned here is that that it's not the subtext that they may be gay, but I think it is the 1970s subtext of prejudice in that respect. It it's could that be. Sort of, you know, people are kind of creepy weird and so i'm gonna draw them in these very broad very very broad strokes strokes. um because um agrorian there was something he 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 was almost a caricature there was something uh really cliche about him um and not in a really good way no 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 agrorian he's mad oh well aside from that but Everything about him is very predatorial. And they did a, an interesting choice uh, on that character that I think tells us something that we're supposed to know about him. And it's it's just an odd thing, but it's that piece of makeup. It's that mole. That actor doesn't have one. Yeah, that was, at times, especially when they did close-ups of his face, it's all I could stare at. And it's like, you you need to get rid of it because I can't hear a damn word you're saying. It, it's, I'm it's, staring at that it's mole. meant to make him 
and I say gross, that's not quite the right word. It's supposed to make him even creepier. Yes. Yeah. And, and it worked. Uh, yep. But maybe too well. Yep. The the hair, the the everything about him, man. The he, bravo acting. Bravo, because I'm sure that's what he was supposed to be doing. Oh, I'm sure it was. Um, and then that uh, 28-year-old kid they had in old man makeup, I thought that was a great job. He oh, yeah. convincing. I was convinced he was an oldie. Uh, <laughs> he was a... I, I, well, he was supposed to be 18 when they when he got first there, yeah. got there, according to the story. And he's supposed to be some... He was supposed to be some mathematical genius. Yep. And there was nothing of the sort. Now, well, it he, could have been the... It could be some form of bizarre senility, senility. due to the... Was it Kaufman radiation? Hoffman, that yeah, aged Hoffle, him? Hoffle radiation. Hoffle. That's it. Hoffle radiation that aged him prematurely. So it could have been that. But... I think he's it as it may. Firm. And I think this well, is yeah. insane. From solitude, loneliness, whatever it is, they're and of course, constant abuse. Uh, you know, there there was even a I mean we we witnessed it. Yeah. We witnessed the abuse and to drive that point home later on, uh he says, "Oh, you know, there's nothing a little time in the rehab chamber can't cure and and Villa's crack about he spends a lot of time there, doesn't he um you know, he's just driving home that point this is this is what that guy has been doing to to pinder mm-hmm. the whole time, right he's been torturing him and abusing him and, and yet and and pinder and, and, adores I, him. Oh, Pinder's love. I mean, it's uh, I don't know if it's part Stockholm syndrome or if there is some sort of or or if this is really the dynamics of their relationship. Yeah, but what I was getting at is the actor playing that part did a really good job with his facial expressions when he was, you know, you could you could read every emotion Every bit of jealousy, every bit well, of that's true. anger. He was he was really good at that because a lot of times he was just kind of in the background, and and they would say things or he would give attention to something, and just the turn of his face or the the twist you could see you could see what he was supposed to be thinking, which you know is probably a little broader than would be in real life, but it, but intentional. I mean, it was plain as day that that Pinder was absolutely besotted with Agrorian and. Mm-hmm. Did not like Villa for coming in and uh, immediately catching uh, Agrorian's eye. And, right. And he was less jealous of Servalan. Hmm. Until. Well, until they said they were it became kill him. clear that he was going to leave. Yeah. Or, yeah. But he didn't have the same reactions when Agrorian was trying to woo. Servalan and talk to her about you know a connubial partnership and, and well I think he still felt that he was going to be a part of everything oh that image just I did not want that image oh. <laughs> sorry oh not going to get that one out of there forever <laughs> okay <laughs> okay <laughs> well there we go not what I meant but thank you for uh, taking me there too yeah, yep, I'm not watching Blake 7 again for a long time, so I suppose we're we're okay with distance and time. <laughs> well, geez, I don't know what I I think I'm going to need to watch a lot of Botox face in order to wash my my mind's eye of that image. 
Uh, yeah, a little, watching a little bit of Maya should take care of it for me. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the key plot points, which is just the most absurd, stupid thing I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> is the Pinder introduces, is says, nice to meet you, ma'am, to Avon and uh, Villa. And they try to pass it off as not having concept of male and female in mm-hmm. his head. And, uh, you know, at, at first, it I could have accepted no nah, i couldn't have accepted it i mean it was it was clearly laid out there for the for the audience um and not just for the joke of villa making a crack that uh, he thinks avon's a woman um but the explanation that they gave you know it's like eh, maybe it doesn't have symbols in his head or i forgot how they phrased it for male and female and agrarian kind of agrees with it yes that's exactly and and off they go I never took that to be a serious explanation, right? I didn't. I didn't think that Agrorian was trying to pass that off as a serious. I thought he was trying to fob it off. But then later in the the story, we have two instances: one where Servalon points out the mistake, and Agrorian goes, "No, no, I, my explanation." They bought it. It's like, okay, you're you're stupid, or you're crazy. And you're certainly underestimating Avon, which we know he did throughout the course of the episode, um, because of his ego. This is, it was very clear in the introduction that he's, you know, underestimating Avon because his ego won't allow anyone else to be smart. But <clears throat> then there's also the chess scene where they're playing chess and Avon immediately catches on it. Well, apparently, how does he tell the difference between the king and a queen? Working on the yeah. assumption that he doesn't have symbols in his mind for male and female but i didn't get a great look at that chess set but i'm thinking that the king and the queen are two completely different looking pieces like they are on every other chess set in the world well yeah so if he's been shown this one and said king and this one and said queen he doesn't need to have a concept of male and female he just needs to have the concept of king and queen two pieces on a game so it was a stupid line on avon's part and it was clearly there just to drive it home to the audience that avon was suspicious and yet like it it just i thought it was incredibly awkward and mm-hmm. and it, you know tarrant didn't need that he figured out it was servalon up on the ship without any without any gender identification problems right so awkward it's an awkward story in places by robert holmes um i also do i do appreciate because i have seen this in in movies tv shows in the past where somebody offers you something you know obviously it's usually a trap but they offer you something and the deal is too good to be true like this one is Mm -hmm. but the fact that Avon actually noticed it and called him on it, you know, that doesn't usually happen in, in no, shows. No, <laughs> you're right. Um, that, yes, I, I noticed that too. Um, yeah, 
uh, I, unfortunately, I don't have much more commentary on that except that, yeah, I, I kind of caught that as well. Um, it, it seemed, I don't know, it seemed like Avon was sort of on his game in some aspects. I think Avon was on his game in this one. He yeah. was, he, uh, <coughs> Servalon didn't beat him for the first time. Oh, heavens time. no, not this time. For the first time, she actually lost. She, well. Well, not the first time, but she, but yeah, this is the first time in a while luck, that she's lost. Right? They, they've always had luck. And so either Avon loses or, um, they get lucky, which is, of course, what Blake always had going for him. And and I guess you could argue that Avon got lucky by getting his foot pushed up against that piece of plastic. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call it that. I mean, they were trying to empty the ship. He finds something heavy. He moves it out of there. That was he reasoned it out. This wasn't luck. That was brain power. And if he hadn't right. done that, he'd have found Villa and killed him and thrown him out, and he still would have escaped. So, which you know. <laughs> Either way, uh, they underestimated Avon. He was on his game. He he was on his game, and uh, they didn't get the tacky t- funnel. But yeah, the weapon but that could they destroy anything you know, anywhere uh, at any distance. Servalon didn't get or uh, yeah, and Servalon didn't get Orac. Yeah. Now, what I want to know is why. So here's here's probably not quite mentioned in the recap, which is a little haphazard, I, I admit. Um, Avon brought in a fake ORAC that had a short-range transmitter attached to it. And that transmitter, he had ORAC in the shuttle, and through that, ORAC was able to pr- make the fake seem like it was ORAC. So when he brought it in, he put the key in, and he and Agorian asked some questions. Of course, the questions got relayed to Orak. Orak grants responses. The question satisfies that that is, in fact, the real computer. It worked great. It worked great. But when Avon walks out of the room, just as he goes, he reaches down and he flips a switch on the fake uh-huh. Orak. Right. And from that point forward, the fake Orak doesn't work. Correct. Why did he bother to do that? Because he could have made it three steps out the door and a Igrorian could have asked it a question. And if Orak is still sitting there in the shuttle, Orak could have answered. Bluff him. And it wouldn't be until Orak got out of range that the thing would stop working. But right. by doing it the way he did, it seems like he took a risk of getting... What would be the harm of leaving it turned on? Uh, that uh, maybe the, a little bit of overconfidence on Avon's part, perhaps. But, <clears throat> or it, it, this could have been a thing that was just purely for the audience's benefit to watch Avon switch it off like that. But yeah, there are, there are other ways that it could have been done. Yeah, I, I actually kind of think it was for the audience, but um, I'm just sort of wondering. Are we, are we supposed to think that he'd flipped the switch before and we just didn't see it? I mean, I don't want to go back and watch it, but like when he was putting the fake key in. No, I did. I did not see this. I did not see it get switched on. All I saw was it being switched off. Well, what I, I guess what I'm getting at is that, you know, I don't remember the framing of the shot when he showed him the key and then he put the key in it. I don't know. Maybe either. he was standing there with his hand off screen kind of roughly where that switch was. I don't remember, but uh, 
would have been, you know, a little bit more uh, realistic for rewatches on DVDs, because I'm sure that's what they were thinking of when they made this episode all those years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's, it amazes me every time. And I think about that. <laughs> Some poor guy, Robert Holmes in this case, right in this episode, or the director, or whatnot, he's like, yep, making this show, everyone's going to see it once, it's a play, we're done. Bye-bye. No one will ever see this again. <laughs> and here we are. Right. Picking it to picking it to death. Um, let's see. Have we got anything else? One thing that was of apart from the obvious. Well, yeah. There was one moment that I off that I kind of found to be cringeworthy. Only one? <laughs> Oh, a number of them. There was a number of them. Okay. Uh, but this is one that was with Avon. And that was after Orac gave the revelation that Villa weighs 70 kilos. Mm-hmm. And so Villa obviously realizes, oh, Avon's about to, you know, he's going to do me in and throw me off the ship. And Paul Darrow's delivery of Villa. Villa. I need you. I need your help. I mean, it... <laughs> It, there was absolutely nothing there. I realize it was meant to serve as a dramatic contrast for when uh, Avon really does figure out what's going on and then is really calling for Villa's help. I understand that, but it was still painful to listen to. It was. Um, it was definitely did not come off as Avon. No, you know if if we had not had. 50 episodes of Blake 7 under our belt. Maybe I could buy that. You know, the character trying to, you know, coax him out. Um, but, you know, again, for the audience sake, what was interesting about it was when he made that voice, he adopted the face. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, think. And then he, poke his head around the corner and he'd be suddenly deadly right and then he'd he'd go soft again and uh, it's like I, I does he think Villa's an idiot because i think villa i i would be worried if avon made that voice i would too that was my whole point i mean if he thinks he's actually going to try to convince villa to come out that was not the way to do it and as far as whether avon really thinks that villa's an idiot my my personal guess is Avon will continue to tell Villa that he's an idiot, but in reality will not believe it. I, I, because in, in last week's episode, uh, he made some comment about not trusting this person there that, that Avon was supposed to meet up, that, that uh, Villa didn't trust the entire situation, which is why he didn't come down to the planet. And Avon then... Uh, Concedes the fact, you know, and, and Villa is almost always right. Mm-hmm. So I think outside of uh, outside of earshot for Villa, you get a more honest answer as to what Avon really thinks about him, at least in terms of some of you know the, any positive attributes that he feels that Villa might have. Uh, but to his, you know, in front of him, to his face, oh no, he's going to sure completely put him down because that's there's that's just Avon. So that then calls into question, what was he trying to do with, you know, that that soft voice and, and, and expression to, that went along with it uh, to to try and coax 
villa out of hiding. I mean, it it was again, it was very cringeworthy. I just sat there shaking my head thinking that this this is one of the worst performances I've ever seen Paul Darrow do. I, I'm I'm maybe. I mean I didn't have any problem with the performance itself. I imagine it's exactly what the director told well, me to yes, do. Well, yes, yeah. But, okay, you, correct. But it was one of the most it it still was one of the it, it was still terrible. Yeah. Now I do want to point out here uh that at the beginning of the episode um Avon is supposed to go down by himself and he's sending Tarrant and because he doesn't want to put himself at risk and Dana is very much like, well, you can't send him down alone. Well, I was hoping you'd volunteer. So she's going down and then he goes over to Villa and he says, you want to make it well, three? We're going to make it three. And Villa says, and of course, dramatic purposes of the episode here no i'd rather i feel safer with you (laughs) yeah i know i'm safe when i'm with you yeah there's the big irony and um which i think he's right generally he's speaking yes of the show that's probably been the safest place to be and we know that avon has had some situations where he has considered bailing on the crew when it's him or them, it's, it's going to be them. But he's had qualms, right? I mean, you, you like the episode um, Horizon, where he's contemplating whether or not he can go and leave them all behind. Mm-hmm. And he can survive. And even though Orak is saying, yep, yep, you can do it. Yep, you can do it. He still has this sound of, I have to talk myself into it. Right. So, you know, like it or not, he is involved at some degree, and Villa is the oldest of his associates. I think the one he thinks is the most useful. Um, You know, he knows what his talents are, and he knows what Villa can do, and he knows how to use him. And so, you know, even if he just considers him an asset, he doesn't want to lose him. Right. Um, but we- <laughs> the part that I want to, the part I want to point out. So they're, they're unloading the ship, as we mentioned. They're unloading the ship and Avon asks the question, how much more weight do we need? And Orac says 70 kilos. Now, earlier in the episode, foreshadowing, right? When he was fake testing Orac with Agrorian, Agrorian asked him about his doctoral thesis, to which Orac says, you know, your thesis was blah, 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 blah. Pause, pause, pause. It was graded beta, which I assume is a B. B, yeah. And that pisses Agrorian off. And Avon points out, Orac tends to give you more than what you asked for. Or less than what you asked for, but never exactly what you asked for. Foreshadowing. Because how much more do we need? 70 kilos. Mm-hmm. Phil is starting to walk out of the thing. What else on this ship? What on this ship weighs 70 kilos? Villa. Villa weighs, weighs 73 70 kilos. <laughs> 73 kilos, yeah. And then that's the instant where I thought it was very good acting on Paul Darrow's face. He looks up. He, his his jaw quivers at the same time his 
eyebrows furrow. He just kind of mouths the word villa. Villa. And then he goes steal. Right. <laughs> it's like, mm. He reaches down and gets the gun. And uh <laughs> and goes after and goes after Villa. But in the instant, you could see it. It's like I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to throw Villa off the ship. He threw the Tachyon funnel off without the slightest hesitation. Right? Which is what they came for with the whole thing. That's what it that's what it was all there for. Would they have thrown Orak off? If, you know, they'd gotten down to one kilo or two kilos. Would Orak have gone? Ah, wow. Well, if it came down to just Avon and Villa, I mean, Avon and Orak, um, yeah, I could see Avon doing that. Okay, so now let me ask you this question. Everybody concentrates on the fact that Avon is ready to kill Villa. But that, to me, is not the interesting dynamic. The interesting dynamic is that Orak set Avon as a weapon to kill Villa. I think Orak did that to save his own hide. It's possible. You know, that is that is not... We can attribute personality to Orak. He yeah. has always had a sentience about him or a foe sentience about him. And I think, well, we know he can predict the future. We know exactly. He knew exactly what he was doing when he told that to Avon. It's mm-hmm. like he had assessed these people and said, Avon will throw the weight overboard if I tell him. And if he had waited 20 seconds until Villa was completely out of earshot, the story would have had a different ending. Com- absolutely. He'd have walked down there, he shot him, thrown him out the thing. I think he would have regretted it. I think Villa might have been able to delay him for a few seconds while he pleaded. He would have felt bad about it. I mean, especially during the, in the episode tag, at the very end, uh, there would have been, definitely would have been remorse yep. uh, on, uh, on Avon's part, but not remorse, but not regret. Yeah. So, um, this story always reminds me a little bit of, um, what was it called? Cold Equations, which is an old sci-fi short story about a spaceship and a stowaway, and the weight of the stowaway will destroy them. Mm-hmm. Because the ship is balanced exactly for the fuel that they need, and, uh, and I, I would... I would hazard a guess that Robert Holmes has read that story. It's very possible. Uh, I, I don't know how far back it was, but I think it was in the 50s. Like Astounding Magazine or something Which like that. Which could have served as the inspiration for Irwin Allen to do Lost in Space. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly the Twilight Zone episode, The Cold Equations, is based upon it. Right, okay. Or the new Twilight Zone, should say, episode. I mean, it's it's been it's been there, but you know, this is this is the most bloodthirsty version of it. <laughs> I think the other versions of it are, you know, them trying to work out a way around it, but the you know, in the end, the cold equation is you know, someone has to die for the others to live. Right. 
Would Villa have killed Avon? <sighs> we can we can actually wow. <laughs> we can put any scenario here we want on on this ship too. Would, would yeah. Avon have killed Dana? Would Dana have killed Avon? No, <laughs> she wouldn't have. I think. No, I don't think Dana would have done it. Tarrant, Sulin, yes. Tarrant? Um, Zulin, possibly. She doesn't have that kind of emotional attachment to Avon. No, but if, and if she thought he had a gun on her. Yeah, oh, she'd do it. She'd in a heartbeat. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's no, there's no real drama, uh, dramama? Dramama. Dramama. <laughs> dramama. <laughs> there's no real drama there. Because no. Villa is Avon's friend. The, those two are the most connected. Yeah. So, that's why it was it was fascinating for Avon to be the one to stalk Villa to kill him. As far as Villa killing Avon, I think I mean, if if it really got to that point, yes, I think uh, Villa could do it. But the the situation would have to be unbelievably dire. Well, I think they were pretty close to unbelievably dire. There. Well, they were very close this time around. Yeah, but. Villa also knew that at that, with the circumstances being what they were, that he didn't stand a chance. Yeah. The only thing that, that, well, so there's one thing about that shuttle that bugs me. If the loading docks automatically put that neutron star material on board the ship. Fair enough? Right. We were told that. What was that little sled for? Yeah, that looked like a toy. It was a toy. Um, Hidden in a compartment. In it was. It was. Yes. Like, it's like what? What was that for moving around? Um, it was just some. I you know the weird thing is is, and this this is, I I am ashamed to admit this because this has happened more than once uh, and it's actually beginning to happen with some level of regularity with what we watch that I see these things like that and I cease to question them because by that point the story has already crossed over into the absurd and and then I just it's just oh it's just one more thing I I guess I guess. I, I I mean, to be honest, after everything with Agrorian and Pinder, a little toy car was irrelevant. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. It's just remarkably convenient. I, I would have appreciated, you know, something, anything. <laughs> anything is like, why is this? What is that thing for? It's obviously part of the equipment on the shuttle because it's got its own little compartment and its own little strap to keep it in place. Right? I mean, it's, 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 it's like a jack for a uh-huh. car. You know, you right. open the other little compartment and there's the jack. Well, that's got a purpose. What is that thing's purpose? <laughs> Something we're never going to know. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. I'm sure that uh, the excuse was, oh, it's, it's it's just ship equipment. Okay, yeah, move on. And I, I, just a standard little uh, hand truck. I, I could have taken a standard hand truck. That would, they would have thrown that over earlier, though. 
Mm. Maybe that that would have been a bad was idea. a standard, a little standard hand truck. Uh, if it were electric, that would, I would be different. But anyway, um, well, I don't have anything else on this episode. Just uh, I really twisty don't weird. have um, much of anything else either. Uh, I really don't. I'm I as far as you know, the Agrorian Servalin thing, given the boy toys that Servalin has had, <laughs> do we really think for a second that Agrorian stood a chance? Oh no. Oh, oh no, no, no. She was so using him. You know, there was there was absolute contempt and disgust when he tried to hold her hand or put her hand on his heart. Right. Um, and and the fact that he couldn't see it, um, I guess that is okay. Let's let's come back to the the scene that I'd mentioned earlier, where he's talking with Avon, and he basically says, basically he says, "Well, you know, you you leader types are stupid." Right? I mean, that's effectively what he says is, you know, intelligence is not really the, uh, the purview of people like you, men of action. Mm. Which, of course, we know that's not true. We know mm, Avon right? is a brilliant genius. He's terribly smart. But Agrorian is terribly egotistical. Oh, totally. And, and to his credit, to the script's credit, to the directing's credit, that comes off. Oh, that's played off very well. All the way through yeah. the episode, Agrorian cannot believe that he isn't destined to rule space, destined to make the greatest inventions. Uh, my scanner is absolutely foolproof. My this is absolutely foolproof. I mean, he is he is so full on himself. It it just it's over. It's oozing out of that well, mole it's, on it, his face. It's, it's so outrageously much. over the top. And so when he is coming on to Servalan, he can't see it. He can't see her disgust. Oh, no, his own narcissism prevents him from seeing it. Yeah, I know. He's like, you know, she's obviously would want me because I'm the greatest scientist and brainy guy and, and stuff. And, and, and even if you tried to present the truth to him, he wouldn't believe it. No. And the fact is that, you know, he's gross. <laughs> yes, he's he's really he's disgusting. Physically repulsive. Yes, in, he is in this episode. And Servalan, I guess maybe I think it takes her too long to play him. She she is visibly disgusted. She at one point when he moves towards her, she walk she flinches back. Right. He is in the power seat there for a moment. When, you know, that's, that's, Servalon doesn't step back for anyone. Travis could walk up to her with a gun in the face and she wouldn't flinch. She flinched. She flinched. She stepped backwards. She stumbled over the desk, um, in, in her repulsion to, uh, Agrorian. And that's kind of out of character in my opinion. And it's only after that moment that she suddenly pushes forward and eh, lies to him, 
but basically, you know, kind of gives him a little bit of attention and then says, fail me and I'll kill you just as fast. And then walks off. So she regains it. But that's the first and, well, no, I'll take it back. That's the second time we've ever seen Servalan on. Some kind of defensive or something? Yeah, there's a time she was chained to the wall. Oh, yes. She she was broken there for a few moments. And and I guess maybe in sand a little bit. Little tear. But yeah, this was this was the first time she was ever intimidated by a man. Um uh, <laughs> Like it, I I didn't like that either. It didn't it just didn't play like her character. I mean mm-hmm. anybody would want to get away from that guy. But, you know, I think Villa had more to worry about. Frankly. <laughs> um Oh yeah. So he he couldn't see it, and he couldn't see couldn't see that she didn't want him. And and again, Robert Holmes does does do well. I mean, he's intentionally created this loathsome creature, but he did a good job of creating a loathsome creature. Mm-hmm. I I I kind of. I kind of want to see some other stuff Robert Holmes has done. Act, uh, as a form of comparison? Yeah. So in other words, we've got Doctor Who, but that's got its limitations of Doctor Who. Blake Seven, he's obviously decided that he's got some other themes he likes to explore in his in his stuff. Um, I wonder if there's anything else that he's written for or uh, that's floating around that we could see. I, I might look into that. And just I see. just took a glance at it a little while ago, and there was nothing there that I saw that – uh, suggested anything that I was um, extremely familiar with. Hmm. Well, maybe our listeners will uh, have uh, something that he might have done that could shed some light on it. Uh, you know, we know he's had some... He, he likes to throw up his uh, whatever cause of the week he's on. What was his vegetarian rant episode? Um... Oh God, I don't remember that. There was, uh, wow, I do not remember. Oh, the two doctors. <sighs> That's right, the two doctors. A vegetarian rant? Yeah, he was apparently on some sort of a kick. So, oh, the food and the kill and the slaughter and the death and the the shock eye eating and the skinning and the all that stuff. That was mm. that was a little bit of uh, commentary on how cruelly we treat our animals. Thing mm. now, the double act: the 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 theater manager and the Spanish senorita. Right. True. True. Yeah, it's another it's another one of his stories. Um. Anyhow. All right, well, that's that's it for Robert Holmes and Blake Seven. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have anything else. I mean, I thought, I thought it was a snoozer. We asked the question the other day after Gold if Avon was going to be unhinged from that point forward. Hmm. Was he? Uh, unhinged. Man, that's such a broad uh, definition. <laughs> uh, 
Was he unhinged? I don't think he was. I don't either. Not don't this either. time. Even when he was out to... I mean, again, going back to uh, his manner in which he was trying to coax Villa out of hiding, as as ridiculous as that was, I would not classify that as unhinged at all. Now, that I mean, just... it may be an unhinged performance, but it was not uh, an unhinged act on the part of Avon. Right. So, which, you know, I, I, after that mad <laughs> at the end of gold, um, it wouldn't have surprised me if he hadn't shown some character development, but it didn't appear that this way. Oh, you mean so like my next Blake? Question, yeah. So my next question is, has the Avon Villa dynamic been damaged forever? Uh, well, we only have two episodes left, so it's hard to say... I am inclined to say no, because even though there is a thin uh, story arc that runs through this show, many times when it comes to characters, a lot of the a lot of time there's it's just a reset button at the end, and we're back to the way everything was prior to that. I know that we when when it came to Blake, we didn't exactly do that. We saw Blake slowly derail. Uh, we saw some follow up of where. He was really upset over the death of Gan. So, yeah, we saw some... And same thing with Avon, too. We've seen uh, episodes where Avon appears to have gone through some kind of an emotional arc based on a story idea. Uh, to be honest, Now, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of tend to think no, that I don't think it's going to be damaged. I, I Personally, I think it will be forgotten. Well, I guess we'll find out next time in uh, Warlord. Yeah, because um, I, like I said, I don't remember this episode at all. Huh. All right. Well, Ben, thank you for joining me. Oh, pleasure. Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.